Hey, it's David Ward. Real quick before we get to the episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the content, please share and subscribe to the podcast. I've heard every time you subscribe, a drummer gets their wings. So please help a drummer out and subscribe. All right, now on to the show. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to Musicians on the Record, the show where we bring you the musician story, and I am super psyched. Today, we are debuting a new episode, a new segment on the show. It's called the Rock Therapy Show. It's not talk therapy, it's rock therapy, conversations with musicians around music, mental health, motivation, and mindset. I'm your host, David Ward, licensed psychotherapist and unlicensed drummer, and I couldn't think I couldn't think of a better guest to have on the first episode of Rock Therapy than the main motivator himself, the global ambassador of drumming and the author of a book we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff today, The Cycle of Self-Empowerment. Don Famulero, welcome to the show. David, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to sit down and talk to you, man. Thanks. Absolutely. It's always a blast to have you here. So, you know, you I was curious, I want to talk about your book, but to to talk about the inspiration of this, you've been teaching and playing drums for playing music for over 50 years, teaching people, helping people, motivating folks. You must have seen a need in the music community because you've written all kinds of other books, music education books. But this one is different where it's motivation and empowering. What inspired you to write this in the first place? Great question. It's kind of interesting. As a child, when I was younger, I had a tremendous stuttering, a stammering challenge. Right. It was, and it was really bad. I have two older brothers that are a year apart that were very popular in school. My younger sister is very, very talented. And I kind of, in the, in the middle there, kind of got a little lost at what I did. And I had a stammering challenge. Uh, I, I didn't speak that well. I was not a great student in school. And I wore glasses. So at eight years old, when you're wearing glasses, you get, you know, at that time, in the 50s and early 60s, you were teased a lot. So by being teased, and I couldn't play a lot of sports because of my glasses. I, I played basketball once. I broke the glasses in the first quarter of playing. I had so it was just always a challenge to, to be involved with, being actively involved. So I lent, I, I put my energy towards music. Uh, you know, I was inspired to hear Ringo play on the Ed Sullivan Show in February of 1964, and that inspired me to want to play drums. So drumming became my outlet, and because of that drumming outlet. It gave me such a strength and such a level of confidence that I began to have more confidence in myself and my stammering started going away. And I slowly began to focus on speaking slowly, more articulately and clearly, because when I practiced, I had to practice slow and articulate. Right. So I just took many of the practicing skills and applied them towards my life. So that was the first thing that I saw that I had a, I had a, you know, a confidence challenge, um, uh, low self-esteem, and music sort of really opened me up. So now here I am, now forward many, many years, I'm traveling around the world, opening up clinic tours with Billy Cobham and Simon Phillips and Lenny White and all these great, great drummers, and, and I'm in front of crowds speaking and inspiring people and talking, and many of the people that I would meet in my global travels, and I've been traveling the globe for well over 35 years, mm -hmm. And, and it's been, it actually, it's probably close now to 40 years, I think about it, which is kind of crazy. And in the intensity of that traveling, I've met so many people that I sensed had the same challenges that I had with low self-esteem, you know, lack of confidence, 
they, they doubted themselves that they could be good at what they did, whether it was a drummer. Well, I can't be whether he was even a musician, a bass player. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not that good. I'm from a small town. No, nothing ever happens in this small town. So whether it was where they lived or every excuse in the world came out for these people to be disempowered. Mm. And that's the word that kept on hitting me. These people were disempowered. They were, they were not empowering themselves. So just in the course of time in my lessons, and I started teaching at the age of 17, so for now you know, 49 years I've been teaching, and you kind of learn on these one-on-one lessons through all these years that there's got to be a way that I can reach each of these students. I've got to kind of step into their world, I've got to get to know them, and find out how they learn. And I've got to find out some of the challenges that they have as individuals. When I find out those challenges and how they learn, I then begin to realize that there are ways that I can give them tools to empower themselves. Okay. What are some of those tools? So, and, and, and that's where it started. So, so what it came down to was I started understanding that, you know, I had to first make them understand what passion was. Hmm. That they came to me, they had this passion to play music, this strong desire to want to be the best at what they can do and to, to be the best of who they can be. Hmm. It wasn't about being as good as anybody else. It was trying to be the best that they can be. So we had to keep on focusing on don't compare yourself to other drummers. Listen, if I compared myself to Buddy Rich or Steve Gadd in the early days when I started, I, I, I would have been setting myself up for failure. Right. So I just, I just allowed those players to inspire me, and I would try to steal from them what I can steal from them that I can adapt to my own playing. Yeah. It might have been a way that they sat, their cymbal set up, the way they grooved, a fill that they played, an idea that they that they articulated, the, the form of how they played the song, all these different things I would take a little bit out of it. And although I couldn't play it exa- exactly like them, I kind of found my own way of how I can figure it out. Yeah. So I began to understand that passion was the first motivating force. There's got to be that, that, that constant desire to want to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. So that was the common denominator that I noticed with all of my students. And then I just kept on realizing that there were certain tools that you needed, and there were certain like tools like discipline and perseverance and and accountability and responsibility, just certain words that I felt had to be a fundamental area of us to learn. So I began to write these notes down, and then I realized you had to have like a like a vision and a plan and, and, and like how to understand what your dream was. So all these words were words that I was just kind of putting into the into the field of teaching. You know, what's your dream? What do you see your vision to be? What, 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 you know, what are some of your goals? You know, you know, how, how, you know, uh, how, you know, strong of a personality do you have that you can persevere by sticking with something? You know, do you have, do you under, even understand what perseverance is, which means to never give up? So I kept on throwing these words out and using these words. And I found out that these students were adapting to it and making change. They were growing and becoming more empowered. This was this was a, a, an incredible journey. So at that point, you know, one night I'm I'm I'm, I'm it's like three o'clock in the morning, and I always have pencil and paper next to my bed, and and now I have my phone next to my bed. So twenty some odd years ago, it was right. pencil and paper. Now it's my phone. I wake up and and thumb my way through notes. Yeah. And um, in the middle of the night, I kind of woke up and I saw this vision of a graph in my head. And so I got up and I quickly drew out what it was. And it started with passion on the bottom. And then I wrote a couple words. Then I wrote an arrow that went up to the dream and the vision. 
Then I put some some goals in there, and it was this kind of crude, drawn document that just really looked, you know, like some kind of hieroglyphic, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know out of out of a pyramid somewhere, you know. Yeah. We come out. I put it down on the paper. I finish it. I put it down. I go back to bed. I wake up the next morning, and I start looking at this, and I start to fine tune what it is. I fine tune the arrows. I clean it up a little. There were certain words that I wrote. I rewrote the words so it was clearer. I added a couple more words. So I put this together, and I came up with this graph that kind of looked looked similar to this. Yeah, I've got it up on the screen right now, Dom. We've got the graphic up. So excellent, thank you. So with that. It kind of looked like that. So at one point, it didn't have a title to it. So my wife, Charmaine, says, um, well, what? I said, look at this here. She goes, well, what is it? I said, well, it's kind of like a, when I, when I teach, I kind of use this stuff. And it's kind of like a formula for me to use it with my teaching, like a graph that I could use that I can point to that will help me teach better. So she goes, well, well what exactly is it? I said, well, when I look through it with the passion and the dream and vision and, and these words, these I said, it's kind of like it, it, it's a it's a it's a chart of empowerment. Mm. Yeah. So she goes, empowerment. She goes, interesting. She goes, well, so you're empowering the student. I said, well, it's not. Well, the chart. Not. I'm not. Yes, I'm trying to empower them, but I'm trying to get them to empower themselves. So she goes, well, it's kind of like a cycle. Then mm. I said, yeah, it's a cycle. So she said, so it's basically a cycle of self empowerment. And I went. I'm going to steal that. From right. You. <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> All right. And that's really kind of how it started. So I wrote down the cycle of self-empowerment and then in time started fine tuning more of the word. And if you look at the graph, you'll see some of the words, you know, that when we, we start from your passion, your fuel, that's the flame. That's the that's what's going to, you know, that's what's going to bring everything. You've got to keep on fueling that flame. Mm. So how do you put fire on the flame? How do you put you know, logs, how do you put gasoline? How do you keep fueling that flame? Well, to me, it was the more I played with bands, I got more excited. Hmm. The more I listened to music, you know, on my, on, 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 on my headphones, it inspired me. The more I went to hear live music, it kept on fueling that flame. So by performing, listening, and attending live concerts, that was my, my formula of me continuing to fuel my passion. Love it. So once once I had the passion, then that led to the entire graph. Absolutely, you know, and I appreciate I appreciate you sharing your your story of overcoming that challenge. It's you told me this a couple of weeks ago, and I was blown away because your voice is an amazing voice. You've got a great radio and TV voice, and you 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 know read all of this stuff. Uh, you you write the books, but you put them into voice. You're leading these panels, the sessions.org. People check them out. So to hear your story of a guy who I see is just like really powerful voice and presentation, that challenge that you had with the stuttering or the stammering, I, I think it's really powerful. These principles that you're talking about, you've been teaching others. Who taught you these principles? You know, it's a great question. You know, a lot of this, this, uh, you know, and as many of my friends say, they, they say, Dom, you have a, you have a great face for radio. So I get that a lot. <laughs> Me too. I get yeah. that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but what it came down to was, I, I, I got to throw it back to my parents. I mean, you know, I, you know, it, they, they were such, they were, they were, they were teachers that didn't know they were teaching. 
they were philosophers that didn't know they were giving wisdom out in some of their in some of their senses. They were they were guidances of 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 moral compasses that always made decisions based off of other people's feelings and surroundings that was best for everyone, selfless people as opposed to being selfish people. And that's just, my, my mom and dad were just like that. So so you couldn't help but that's where I kind of got a lot of this from. My, my dad was a was a World War II veteran and, and uh, became a fireman. He was, he was an active fireman for 65 years up until the day he passed away. Wow. And a, a volunteer fireman, so n- never getting paid, just volunteering Amazing. in his local community and to a point where they went and they dedicated a firehouse after him. There's a big bronze plaque for my dad, which is so, so beautiful wow. in, uh, in, uh, in, in Baldwin, Long Island on, on Baldwin Avenue. If anyone goes to that area and goes to the host company number three firehouse, they'll see a huge plaque that is my dad. Wow. And uh, it really is kind of amazing to uh, see his effort as a firematic skilled person but he was an auto mechanic so not only did he have his own business with his brothers but he also repaired fire trucks so my father was actively involved in fixing these fire trucks so he actually became a great chief as a chief he knew the fire trucks so well because he built them right that's amazing so he knew how to control you know when a fire happened he knew he was very successful in 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 what he did as a firematic um you know technician and, and my, my mom was was a my mom was a singer and with her sisters and they had they had gotten the first call back to a Broadway show So there was always music in our household and uh, when my grandfather an old-school Italian that came over from Italy back in the early 1900s When he heard that these three girls were gonna go and and go that he didn't know they did the audition So when they had gotten the call back he forbidden for them to go and uh, he, Then they didn't go and I'm sure they would have got the role because they sang great harmonies And it was just the, the way it was back at that time so you know, my mom is still having music around the household and, and having a loving Italian family that every Sunday all the relatives came over to our house and there was a party every Sunday where we played with our cousins. We brought out our instruments. We played. So it was that. That was all going on. You couldn't help but, but understand words like integrity, mm-hmm. words like dedication, words like honesty, trust. Mm-hmm. And those were all the words that I put on my, on my, my, my cycle of self-empowerment. Those were words that I witnessed and words that became the example of living a productive and healthy life. It's amazing. You know, with with helping so many folks that you have in teaching and coaching and motivating, you've named a couple of uh, common themes that, that musicians struggle with. What are some other ones that you see or you've seen over the years, whether mental health or the motivation or that mindset of the whatever fear of judgment or comparanoia or yeah. giving up? What, what are some of those common other themes that you've seen with musicians? Well, there, there are some, there, there are many of them, first of all, because we are, we're involved in the arts yeah. and anyone that's involved in the arts there are always challenges. You know, many great comedians have had very difficult lives. Yeah. And they've had very sad and challenging lives. And their comedy came out of that of that challenging times. And many great artists, like Da Vinci and Michelangelo, their lives were not easy. And within the challenges of their lives, they, they took it out on the sculptures. They took it out on their paintings. And they gave us art that to this day, 500 years later, when I look, when I go to Italy and, and, and go to these places and see and, and go to the church where 
where Leonardo da Vinci painted the Last Supper on the wall of a church, and and the church survived through World War II when the when the Brits bombed the heck out of Italy, that wall lasted, and they built a museum around it. And I'm sitting there watching this painting, and you have to go through this threshold of 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 different rooms to get your temperature to your body low enough so when you walk in the room it's temperature controlled and mm. I'm looking at this 500 year old wall that Da Vinci painted and and when you read and understand the life of Da Vinci of what he went through it was challenging so musicians now as we're in the arts we have these challenges there's first the challenge of of a, a, a you know a, a lack of confidence mm. that maybe I can't do this and and once you say that and the doubt is put in, that slows down the learning process, and that and that cheats the world of future great artists. The world gets cheated mm. when we when we think that way. That's a great way to put it because we don't think about it. That we're we're more self centered. Uh, we don't think about that others are losing out if we don't share our gift, right? That I can stand in front of a Da Vinci or a, or a Michelangelo. I can go to the Sistine Chapel and, and tilt my head back and look at the ceiling and see this work of art that is given to us is that 500 years later, I am still getting enjoyment from this art. That's what's happening as musicians when we play music. There will be, when 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 we're all long gone, there'll still be Mozart and there'll still be Stevie Wonder. Right. So so that's the gift. So if when a musician doubts themselves, you know, Andre Segovia doubted himself when he was younger and he went on to overcome that and become one of the greatest you know classical guitar players that to this day, you know, when you hear a Segovia play, you, you, you get chills when you just hear the flawlessness and the expression and the emotion coming out of an acoustic guitar. It's, it's incredible. So so what musicians do also is, is I see, you know, we get to escape some of the challenges that we have and some of the loneliness of being a musician. That's when drugs and alcohol steps in. And once drugs and alcohol steps in, I, I never did. I got drunk once in my life on my 23rd birthday. I was playing at a club in California, and people were coming around. We were actually playing, and the owner of the club came in and had a double shot of tequila and said, we got to drink this with Dom and toast of his 23rd. And we, I drank the shot down and ate, bit the lemon and yeah. licked the salt, whatever the hell the routine was. <laughs> and And he came up, and then a few minutes later, the manager came up. And then the head waiter came up yeah. and then, you know, one of the guests came up well, after my my fourth double shot of tequila. Right. Man, I, I, I was wasted sure. yeah. and I was so drunk and so out of it. And, and, and it was it was such a terrible feeling. And the next day I was out of it and I had to play the next day. Mm. And so for the next three days, I was really I said, I will never do this again. Yeah. I don't care who wants to buy me a drink, and I have never been drunk since then. So I saw the effects that I was working this hard practicing and trying to be a good musician, and the drinking did not assist me to achieve the goal that I was trying to achieve. Yeah. So let me ask you about that, because that may come easy for you, but I talk with other folks who, uh, whether musicians or otherwise, if they're on the road especially, somebody says, hey, let me buy you a drink. How do you handle that? How do you respond and sort of keep that within yourself that can help others? Yeah, well, the, the first thing, when someone wants to buy me a drink, I always thank them, and I order a cranberry juice or an orange juice or an orange juice mixed with cranberry juice. And even though the person might be drinking a beer or a, or a mixed drink, when I get my drink, the conversation stays enthusiastic. It stays right. excited. Right. People don't even notice that I, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, right. now, you know, I, I may have maybe if I have six or seven glasses of wine 
in, in, in a year's time. Yeah. That, that, that's a lot. You know, if I have that many beers, yeah. if it's a hot summer day and I'm in Germany or Belgium, right. you better believe I'm going to have a beer there, you know. Yeah. Right. And, and, and but I'll have one beer. It'll be a smaller beer. I'll enjoy it. And that'll be it. And it's usually on a day off. So I try to control it to the point that I don't want to I don't want to lose my mental facility as, for as hard as I've worked to obtain right. my craft and my career. Now, with drugs, I, I never did the drug thing. I mean, it, it, it never, because I, when I saw friends of mine that did the drug thing, they were sloppy, they didn't play as well, they showed up late. All the qualities that I, I, I didn't want to be associated with. Right. So, so we have to make a, a conscious decision how we want to lead our life. Now, here I was practicing several hours a day, studying with these great, great teachers, the Joe Morellos, the Jim Chapins, the Shelly Manns, the Max Roaches, Papa Joe Jones, all these great, great players. I'm spending money on working with these guys. I didn't want to get involved with drugs because I felt that the money that I spent on the drugs, I could spend on a couple more lessons. Right. <laughs> or some gear, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, And a lot of my friends did not have great gear, were not taking lessons, mm. were doing the drug thing, showing up late, not playing as great. So, and they were great musicians. Mm. So what I realized at a young age is I never saw a success story come out of drugs and alcohol. Right. I never saw someone doing it and playing at the top of their game, showing up on time, building a brilliant career. I, I, I never witnessed that in my lifetime. So with that, I just realized that I have to make a conscious choice. There's a chapter in my book, chapter eight, called Choice Power. It's actually a chapter that Charmaine, my wife, uh, you know, discussed and, and, and put it in there. And she said, choice power. And she discussed about the power of every choice that we make. There's a power in every decision that we make. And that's a part of what will give you more, a greater sense of self-empowerment is if you use that power in each decision wisely. And that became the journey. So, so with musicians, I think that there are several challenges. There's also the challenge of, of, of trying to organize their time. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if a musician wakes up late and wants to practice and then wants to go to a rehearsal and then to a gig, they're usually late for everything. So the organizational skills mm-hmm. are an extremely important part of success to achieve what we're looking to achieve. How much do you think, um, you know, I don't think this gets talked about a lot, but loneliness on the road or on tour, you go from this huge high of playing for thousands of people, um, and then you're sort of back in a hotel room or on a bus or wherever. How much is loneliness a, a challenge for folks that may lead to alcohol and drugs? Yeah, or whatever? yeah. Well, great question, David. It, it, it is, it is, it is, it's really serious, Okay. Mm-hmm. To me, the, if, if I'm traveling and I'm on the road and doing it, I, I surround myself with great people. I have, if I, when I get back to my hotel room, if I'm, not, if I'm not practicing on a practice pad like I did when I was younger, or if I'm not calling my family or, or answering emails or doing things, I, I utilize the time not as loneliness, but as office time. Mm. So I now, because of the advent of having our, our computers and our phones the way they are, I'm, I'm, I utilize all of my downtime to continue the momentum of my career so I don't let myself get lonely. And there's a difference between loneliness and being alone. You bet. Solitude, right? Yeah. I, I like being alone. Sure. I, I, I just on this recent trip, I just got back from Italy. My wife and I took a trip. When I landed, we went to Lake Cuomo. Hmm. And Lake Cuomo is, a, is this beautiful lake in the, north, the northern area of Italy. 
it is just absolutely gorgeous. The, the, the lake, the surrounding village, the restaurants, the food, the fresh fish, the homemade pasta, the gelato that I wanted to <laughs> just put my face in it, you know, all of that. And at one point, we just sat down on a bench looking at the lake, enjoying the gelato for about an hour, and we didn't say a word. So, so there are those moments that we can cherish, just taking it all in. And, and, and I always say, counting my blessings. You know, there's a great, great song from the movie White Christmas. If I am tired and I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep, mm-hmm. and then I fall asleep counting my blessings. Awesome. That's gratitude, right? That's the... Uh... And that's another word that's on the chart. Yeah. Gratitude. Gratitude is a very important word to study. So each of these words, what, what I do in the book is I, I kind of like the, the first part of the chapter, I explain the full, the full you know, graph, the full chart. And then step by step, I go back and I, and I describe each area of the chart and each word. Mm-hmm. So one of the chapters, chapter, chapter um, 18 and 19, are two, are two of the biggest chapters because I take each word and I give you the definition of the word. I give you how you can utilize the word in your life, and I, we really kind of analyze each word, and then I tell a story about that word. So when I speak about perseverance, I keep the definition, I speak about ways you can use it, then I tell a story about perseverance, then I go to the next word. So I really kind of get these words down to a point where we have to understand each of these words carefully. And as you said, gratitude. This, this is a word that is so important to be grateful for what, to what we have. Now, we can sit back and say, I want more. I, I'm not I'm not motivated by material things. Mm-hmm. I'm not motivated by money. Mm-hmm. I and I only love something if it can love me back. Mm-hmm. So when someone says, "Man, I love my car," it's like, I I don't love my car. Right. My car's a my car's plastic and metal. Right. It's a tool that delivers me from one place to the next place. It does the job well. Right. That's it. It's a tool. I don't I don't love my hammer either. That's a tool. You know. So it's it's the concept of, and each of these words that I talk about are tools. Right. So I want to understand the tools so I can know how to use it. Yes. And and maybe the exception on to that rule for you might be the drums, because you love your drums, right? Well, well, and, and again, that steps into a whole other world now. The, yeah. the, the drums, the drums are a living a living being. True. So so right. <laughs> they're alive. So that's a different that's a different scene. And any instrument, right? It brings us so much joy. So, Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I think that's great, that cultivating gratitude. And I, I love what you said just a minute ago, too, about the, the focusing your time, you know, because I hear a lot of folks uh, who, who, you know, on the road, that loneliness, if you can really design and focus your time so that that doesn't, you know, get into the equation. And, you know, people are away from their families. More and more, I hear folks trying to travel with their families as well. So, but I think cultivating gratitude in all of that is important. Some of the other stuff that I saw in the book, uh, I want to ask you about sort of maybe give us a, a brief uh, overview of what it means. Yeah. One thing you write about is success means failure. That's yeah. antithetical to a lot of folks. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I say in the book, success means failure and failure means success. You talk to the greatest successful people, the Steven Spielbergs, and they will tell you of their failures, of, of where, they, where they failed and where they learned. And, and, and that is the, the university of life, where you can see where you failed, get up, brush yourself off, start all over again and continue. 
that's again that goes to perseverance it's a different tool and once you get back up and go again now you're starting from a different place mentally you're starting from a place of experience you know wisdom is a combination of experience and knowledge knowledge alone does not give someone wisdom i've got people that i know of that are brilliant as far as inf- they know information you know they, they could they could they'd be great on jeopardy you know they've right. got just tons of information right but they're not necessarily wise people sometimes they make foolish decisions and do things that are not in their in their favor but yet they're very knowledgeable so knowledge and experience now experience is when you put this knowledge into action when you put that knowledge into action what you learn from that action is what gives you experience now when you combine knowledge and experience that's where wisdom lives so in my search for wisdom which i search literally every day i am in search of wisdom how can i become more wise so i i know when to speak when not to speak and and how to adapt to every situation in a positive and fruitful and empowering way so that's part of the part of my personal quest in what i do you know but but again that's that's where the, the, the understanding of, of how we adapt to every situation and what I learned from. So I have had great failures in my life, business-wise, where I've invested in certain things that didn't work out, and I saw how it went wrong. I saw how it went, how it fell apart. You know, much of it was my, my mistake that I made, and much of it was people that I was entrusting with that I didn't read them well enough and they made mistakes, and I kept on going with their mistake until finally the mistake became a financial burden, and I had to step back and say, well, I can't afford this anymore. What's going on here? So I had to learn at that point. You know, success, when something happens successful and you, and you achieve closer to the goal that you're going for, well, I got to stop and evaluate. Now, what made that successful? So I have to keep on evaluating the, the success and keep on evaluating the failure. Hence, Success equals failure because you're always going to fail and failure equals success. I think that's a powerful mindset to keep in mind as well, because it's it's really uh, about learning, not not stopping or giving up. Uh, when we fail, but those are stepping stones, learning from it, whether it's about music, investments, relationships, learning from all of that and keep getting better, keep getting that wisdom. Absolutely. And that's that's where the next part of it is to come in to become a constant learner. Mm-hmm. Now, a constant learner means, at least for me, that if I take music, I want to continue learning about music. I'm still I'm still studying the drums. I'm still trying to learn more about that. I've got I've got a lot to learn. I've been playing drums professionally for 54 years, mm-hmm. and I still see myself as a student of the art form. Uh, there's still so much more opportunity that I don't have control over or knowledge over that I'm still pushing myself. When I come to the constant student of life. Well, not only do I want to become a better person to my to, to everyone that I meet, I want to be a better person to my wife. I want to be a better person for my boys, for my friends, for my students. So I want to keep on improving that value of who I am. And that takes time and constant learning. So once we commit to accepting to be a constant learner, that's a really important, the constant learner. I've got to embrace that. And the, the word that I like to use is I need to surrender to it i need to surrender to constantly learning which means i will always be a student you speak to any master in any field 
whether it's sculpturing or dance or theater or music or architecture or whatever it is, and they will continue to tell you that they are constant learners in the evolution of developing their skills. Now, think of it this way. I, I was just in Milan, Italy, and in Milan there's this, you know, all the churches are called Duomos, we, and I did a tour of the Duomo, and this Duomo, they start, it's a huge church. It, it, it's a, it, it's, it's, forget the religious part of it, it, it's just a work of art. They started it in the mid-1300s, and it took 600 years to build. The last door, like a 25, 30-foot door that was put on, mm. was put on in 1965. Wow. That's when the church was finished. Powerful. Mm. So this, this perseverance and discipline and going to see this art, it really was, 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 is a lesson to each of these people that built on it through generations kept on learning from each other and kept an open mind of how they can build this to be this great you know, this great structure that it is. And I, I, I want to clarify, too, when, you, when you're talking about surrender, I think you said surrendering to the art form. That doesn't mean surrender as in the aspect of giving up, but surrendering as being knowing your right place, having humility, gratitude, and, and serving, serving the music, basically. When it's- Abs- absolutely. And those are all words. Humility is another word. And, and, and maybe another time we can go down each of the words and, and, and we'll step into it. But humility is another word. It is. Surrendering means I'm, I'm going to keep myself to have an open mind that I will allow myself to continue to learn and keep my mind open. So if a new idea comes in, even though I'm 66 years young now, when a a new idea comes in, if this idea comes to me, even from somebody younger than me, if that idea comes to me and I feel I can utilize that, I would be a fool not to use it, not to apply that to my life thus to make my life better. So I have to surrender to the knowledge, surrender to the experience, surrender to the moment, live in the now, live in the now, in the moment, and surrender to it. And what that does by that surrendering, it empowers me. Right. So somebody as accomplished as you playing, you know, for 55 years and and not thinking, I got it all figured out. I, I, I've mastered this. I don't need to learn anything more. It's you're you're staying open to all of that. That's pretty incredible. So oh, yeah, I, I, I am. I, I am. I am my worst. You know, as many artists are, I'm, I'm my worst critic. You know, I'm just my most great. You know, yeah, so. but I think that's what makes you a great teacher as well is that openness uh, and that surrendering. So kudos yeah. to you for doing that. So uh, a couple more things from the book that I'd love to have you sort of riff on uh, that I was attracted to: some of the techniques for personal encounters and dealing with adversity for musicians. Yeah, boy, these, there's a the section in the book where I talk about, there's three sections of the book. The first section, I kind of intro the concepts of it. The second section, I discuss the the building of, of the actual cycle. And the third area are, are you know, just techniques and concepts for applying this. Yep. And the choice of being positive, you know, adversity. We're going to have people that are going to disagree with us. We're going to always have people that are going to be negative around us. So when someone negative comes up to me and is looking for an argument, I allow that person to entertain myself. <laughs> I, I don't let them suck me into the argument. Mm. They could be telling me, Dom, you're, you're ugly, you're stupid. And, and, I, and I'll just keep on smiling and say, you know, you're probably right. I'm not as good looking as a lot of people. 
I'm not as smart as a lot of people, so I think I qualify for ugly and stupid. That's a good observation. Thank you so much. I said, thank you so much. You know, and, and, and I'll go with them. So I deflect their, 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 you know, their desire to want to get me angry. I'm not giving them that satisfaction. Right. Yeah. So dealing with adversity is that when, when someone comes up, you know, the other day there was a, a, I was parking my car and I, I go to pull into a space and, uh, and a guy pulls in real fast in front of me. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, he gets out of the car and starts yelling at me. You know, I had my directional on. I was was waiting. The guy also came out, and and I and I, I just kind of went into a different space. There were plenty of other spaces there, and uh, and when I got out, the guy came over to me and says, "You know, that was my space." And I said, "You know, I I am so glad you got your space. <laughs> I am so happy." I said that I almost got your space. Oh my gosh, the space I'm in now. That's my space. I made a mistake. So I thank you so much for informing. I'm going to always know that this is your space. And I kept on talking to the guy so he couldn't walk away. And I said, you know, I do this many times. I sometimes I take people's spaces. I once was in church and took an old lady's seat and it was her space. My gosh, I may end up going to hell because I sat in her seat. So thank you so much for me taking your space. And I kept on going on. For like 20 minutes. <laughs> and the guy just stood there. He couldn't get away. Right. I so I just kept on bringing this guy to a point of like, finally, he goes, listen. He goes, oh, oh, oh. next time, take my space. Right. Yeah. I said, have a great day. And I left. <laughs> so to me, I'm able to tell that story now with humor yeah. and jest as opposed to be saying, this SOB took right. the spot. Like I had my direction on this freaking guy. I'll take him. Yeah, I'll take right. him out in the back. You right. want? You want to fight? You yeah. want? Why even go there? Right. So I go to a different area in life. So therefore, every negative story that would normally be negative, I end up having a funny story out of it. Yeah. Right. And that's just a technique in the desire to not be sucked into the moment right. of negativity. There's right. never a win. There's never a win out of that. Right. And I think that's great. I, uh, one of the things I think about when, when I hear stories like that or I try to practice, I don't always get it, but uh, it's sort of like the emotional Tai Chi, right? You're just sort of letting that roll, the opponent roll off of you and not getting into that power struggle. And obviously, depending where our energy is, how tired we are, cranky, whatever, sometimes we got it, sometimes it's got us. But the more you practice, but, but, just like music. The, exactly. The more you practice, the better you get at it. And I, I never let myself get I never let myself get cranky. Mm. Getting cranky is almost like a, like an excuse for 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 like you know th- that that doesn't show gratitude mm. and that doesn't show humility. Yeah. To get cranky, what's going to make me cranky? Mm. If I wake up and I'm tired, well, I'm a little tired, so I'm mm. still going to have a great day. What happens if this becomes my last day in life? Right. And if I'm cranky and it's my last day of life, I'm going to be pretty pretty annoyed that my last right. day of my life I ended up being allowing myself to be cranky. Yeah. So I'm going to allow myself only to be happy and positive every day. And my wife does this so well. She's always that way. It's so great to see. And with that, listen, if it is my last day on this earth, I'm going to go out smiling and happy in a win-win scenario that even though, you know, I might not have been finished with my chores that I have on this earth. I gave it my best shot, and I'm going out thumbs up. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. That's fantastic. That, to me, seems like a, a fortune cookie right there, but you also give us more <laughs> to Dom's fortune cookies uh, in the book. I, I'm curious, <laughs> I, can can we maybe sort of uh, 
summarize or wrap up a little with a few fortune cookies that come to mind in addition to that one? Absolutely. You know, in, in the fortune cookies, what it came down to is, uh, you know, when, when I read fortune cookies and they give you these boosts of, 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 of phrases and I get a kick out of it. So I ended up inspired as I was writing this book. I've got over 150 personal original quotes that are in the book. And uh, so I started writing these quotes down and I, I, in, I, I you know, kind of put them throughout the book the way it is. And then one chapter, I put all the quotes in that one book. And you know, there's a quote, like, for example, like I say, some people make waves, some people ride the wave, and other people spend all their life looking for the beach. Yeah. You got to choose. You really have to choose which one of those you want to be. Right. That's a choice. I, I always say on this one here, time is not always on our side, but our choices are. Hmm. Our choices are on our side if you make the right choice. Time's going to keep on going. Time's against us. Right. But the choices I can make inside that time are really in my control. Yeah. One of them I said is, if at first you don't succeed, you're in good company. <laughs> Just like <laughs> all of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not everything's going to happen the first time. Right. So you're going to have to struggle and, and work towards the second time. So there's a whole chapter of all these original quotes, and uh, it's just really kind of fun to see. And I love it. This is great. Folks can pick, tell folks where they can pick this book up, Dom, please. Well, I have it. I have it now on my website, domfamilara.com. It's on the website for the hardcover, but I'm also now uh, working on having the book digital so people can go back and, and get the book digitally. They'll see it on, on all the different uh, digital audio books and uh, iTunes. It'll be available digitally where they can download it, not only to hear it and, and, and have it there, but they can download the book and be able to read it. On a, on a digital version also. So uh, we're getting that all together. And uh, it's been fun and exciting that the book is selling in over 30 countries. And, uh, you know, some of the letters and some of the emails that I get back from people, and sometimes I get handwritten letters. It's amazing. Really? From people, from, yeah, from around the world. They, they, and some people say, I wanted to, I wanted to handwrite this, yeah. even though, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old and I, I'm, I, I could have emailed you, but I wanted to handwrite this so you can see my personal effort in thanking you for some of the direction that the book has given me it's opened up my eyes, it's opened up my mind, and I'm surrendering to a more positive attitude, and every single day I work on empowering myself. Mm. So when I get that on a handwritten note, it's pretty pretty overwhelming. Absolutely. Yeah, talk about gratitude, right? So yeah, really. <laughs> that's really amazing. Go to domfamulero.com. It's the cycle of self-empowerment. I have the audio version, and <laughs> man, your voice is spot on. It's like <laughs> just powerful. Dom, we've been talking a lot about uh, a, a lot of great mental health, motivation, and mindset issues. One of them is gratitude, and I'm so grateful for you and grateful to you for being on Rock Therapy today. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Good luck, and we'll touch base soon. Very cool episode. What did you think about that? We'd love to hear from you wherever you're listening from in the world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it. And if you want to watch this interview, there's a video, too. You can check it out on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, musiciansontherecord.com. Until next time, I'm David Ward. Thanks for listening. 